Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you and praise you for bringing us together tonight. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in everything that is said, Lord. I pray that you would give us the desire to be women who live out your word, who love you with everything we have, Lord, that our homes would reflect Christ and your gospel. I just thank you for this time. In your son's precious name, amen. Worker at home. What do you think of when you hear those words? As one author says, the phrase alone causes many women to hold their breath. Why does this topic make women so uncomfortable? And why has working at home been largely snubbed by our culture? According to one author, about 60 years ago, the feminist movement set out to liberate our mother's and grandmother's generation from being tied down to the home. These feminists redefined what it means to be a woman and tossed out widely held views of a woman's priorities. Over time, what once was seen as a revolution has simply become a way of life. Most young women today do not think much of homemaking. That is due to the fact that value in our culture is determined by economic contribution. If you're not making money, you're not adding anything of importance. The devaluation of homemaking is perhaps the greatest success of the feminist movement. I'm asking you to look at your thinking tonight and evaluate if it's been impacted by feminism. Many of us have unbiblical thinking and don't even realize it. I know I did. I was raised to believe that being a housewife was the equivalent of doing nothing. If you were a woman with a brain and ambition, you were too valuable to stay home. Higher education and economic success were the only options for a woman who would make an impact on society. A couple of months after receiving my master's degree, I got pregnant with Luke, my oldest, and during that pregnancy, the Lord overhauled my heart and changed my life forever. I was supposed to return to the career I had valued so highly when Luke was two months old, but God had done his work. I requested to work part-time, but the Lord hardened a colleague's heart, and my request was denied. And what I believed was the Lord's doing, I laid down my career, never used my master's degree as planned, and set to work within my home. I began to do something I said I would never do. <laughs> Something, honestly, I was 100% ill-equipped to do. I had to learn to cook, to clean, to plan, to organize, pretty much everything. I didn't joyfully embrace those tasks right away either. It was hard. I struggled. I would avoid being at home just because I was overwhelmed by it. But as the Lord worked through his word and the women around me, I began to embrace my role in the home. I came to understand that biblically, this is not a gray area. The Bible says that being a worker at home must be the priority in the heart of a godly woman, no matter her circumstances. Even if she works away from the home, her heart must be in it. I've been home for 15 years, but I'm continuously growing in this role, and I will be until I'm with Jesus. Please know that when I use the word you tonight, I'm also talking to myself. <laughs> Studying to speak has definitely been convicting, humbling, and challenging. I've had a few tears over it. <laughs> I've realized that my thinking has been changed, and I hope that yours will be too. As you consider your own thinking on being a worker at home, 
I encourage you to try to remove the noise of our culture and ask yourself plainly, what are God's expectations of a godly woman? What does the scripture say? After we go through it together, go back through it later yourself, seeking to know what kind of woman God would like you to be. The word of God is true, regardless of culture or circumstances. He does not expect, expect you to adapt his word to fit your situation. He expects you to adapt to his word. My hope is that you will come to think of your biblical role as a keeper of the home in the same way that God himself does. God's high calling, according to his own word, is the calling home. As one writer says, scripture unapologetically sets forth the high priority of the home for each and every woman. The Lord wants you to recognize the value of your home in his eyes. Your home isn't just a place to eat, sleep, and charge your cell phone. It is where God desires you to do priceless work that he has prepared from eternity past. Nancy Lee Moss Wogelmuth in her book Adorned says, Those who trust in the wisdom of God and who are willing to swim upstream against culture to embrace this timeless calling will find it a way of great beauty and joy. That is my hope for you, that you will see that your work within the home is God's beautiful plan. Tonight, we're going to look at three ways to glorify God in your home. First, embrace your God-given roles. Second, exhibit God-honoring attitudes and actions. And third, equip yourself with skills that you can pass on to others. Let's look at the, third, the first point. Not the third, the first. <laughs> you must embrace your God-given roles. That's number one. To help you do that, there are two things I'd like to highlight. First, if you're married, you were created to be your husband's helper. And due to that, second, you have a biblical call to work at home. In Genesis 2.18, God is crystal clear about why he created Eve. It says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Eve was made from the man, for the man, and given as God's gift to the man. Women were created to be their husband's helpers. Being created by a loving God as a helper does not make us less than men. It makes us different. We complement them. There is nothing demeaning about the fact that women were created to be their husband's helpers. Galatians 3.28 says that there is not male or female and that we are one in Christ Jesus. This does not literally mean that there are no genders. It means that the value of men and women is the same in God's eyes. Scripturally, women have different roles, not different worth. In fact, God uses the same Hebrew word helper for Eve as he does for himself throughout scripture, such as in Psalm 118.7, which says, the Lord is on my side as my helper. And in the New Testament, in John 14.16, Jesus tells his disciples that he will ask his father and he will give another helper who is the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is less than God the Father or Jesus the Son or us, those whom he helps? Of course he isn't. But being a helper does not, sorry, being a helper does not imply inferiority, but speaks of a desire to meet the needs of others. A helper is simply one with the job of helping. God's design of equality and difference 
in the roles of men and women is incredibly unpopular in our culture. But if you know God's character, his steadfast love and faithfulness, then you know he would only give you his best. Women did not get the short end of the stick by being created as helpers. If you believe that, you are doubting his character and plan. Have you ever considered that if you view your role as a helper or homemaker as less than any other job, it is because you don't value it the same way that God does? Our perfect loving father has given women the role of helper, and the majority of the work done as a helper will be within the home. Now let's look at the fact that biblically you are called to work at home. In Titus 2, 3 to 5, the older women are called to teach what is good, so that, so, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Tonight, my job is to zoom in on the working at home portion of these verses. To help you understand it, I like to examine the word used in the original language. Oikuros, and I know I'm slaughtering that, is a compound Greek word. The root oikos means house, home, or household. It is an inhabited house, implying that there's family or people there. And uros means to work or keep guard, to watch over. In different translations of the Bible, this one word is good homemaker, keeper at home, worker at home, busy at home, good manager of her household. The idea is to be the watch or the keeper of the house. It is being devoted to home life, having a heart for the home, managing family affairs, and guiding the house. Titus 2 reminds you that being a worker at home is not simply an add-on to your life. It is a significant part of your calling as God's daughter, and it will make your life look dramatically different than the culture around you. One author wrote, While it is true we live in this world, we are not to be of the world. We are not to be conformed to the ways of the world. We are not to focus on what worldly women focus on. No, as God's women, as women who desire to live godly lives, we are to focus on being homemakers, home lovers, and workers at home. 1 Timothy 5.14 says a similar thing as Titus 2, when Paul instructs the church to have the young widows marry and manage their household. The phrase manage the house is a Greek term that implies all aspect of household administration. It means ruling the household or managing family affairs, not simply raising and caring for the children. Paul's message is incredibly consistent in both passages. God desires his daughters to be busy at home. How much you need to be home will you be unique for each woman. It will depend on your season of life and your family's needs. You might be in a season where you can do a lot outside of your home without neglecting your priorities. This will certainly look different for a woman with babies than for an empty nester. Nancy Lee clarifies that in 1 Timothy 5.14, Paul is implying that young women, women in the child-bearing, child-rearing season of life, have a distinct responsibility to prioritize their homes and children. That is not to say that home and children do not matter in other seasons, or that childless or unmarried women do not need to be concerned about their home, but no woman has unlimited bandwidth. We all have to make choices, and younger women with children need to be particularly careful that other activities, even good ones, 
Don't cause them to neglect their children and home. End quote. The truth is no matter the season or the circumstances, your home cannot be an afterthought. Even if you work full time and manage a home, you will need to strive to find balance. Your home must be a priority of your heart because it is your God-given calling. Within your biblical roles, you need to ask yourself about the things that matter most to God, the priorities that he would like for you to have. You need to decide what has the most value so that you can be most effective. None of us can do everything. A simple definition of a priority is something for which you alone have responsibility. For example, you alone can be your husband's wife, and you alone can be your children's mother. You alone are responsible for managing your home. This should help you decide where you need to focus your time and energy. Your priorities will change and shift through your life as circumstances and seasons change, but some will remain the same. In John 4.34, our Lord focused his entire life on fulfilling God's will. Similarly, a wife with the right priorities sets her life's focus on loving her Lord and caring for her husband, children, and home. A godly woman with the right priorities has biblical motivation. She wants to be a doer of the word and is motivated to manage effectively out of obedience to God. She also understands that scripture teaches that her primary domain is her home. She knows it's a mandate, a command, her God-given responsibility. Are you single and thinking what I'm saying doesn't apply to you? The goal of every woman is to align her priorities with what God has given her. Unmarried women are also to be homemakers, though in a different sense. Nancy Lee, who was single for 57 years, encourages unmarried women to devote their energies and efforts to the building of the household of faith. They are to live selfless lives that revolve not around their interests and aspirations, but around Christ and his kingdom. If you're a single woman, develop love and devotion for the home, wherever that home may be. Do you have a room? An apartment? Make it a home. Quickly, because I think it's important to be clear, let's address a few things that scripture does not say about your role as a worker at home. It does not say that women cannot work outside their home. It also doesn't say that women should only stay home and not be involved in things in the marketplace, community, or church. The godly Proverbs 31 woman was out buying fields, and we are called throughout scripture to live out the one another's, to serve the church, and to be sharing the gospel with the lost. Most of those things will take you away from your home for a period of time. You just have to have the right priorities so that you're able to balance the myriad of things that God has called you to do. The scripture is also not saying that you have to do all the work within your home yourself. You are to manage or oversee what needs doing, but there is nothing wrong with your husband and children helping you. In fact, dividing the work will allow you more time for other things and will equip your children for the future. So let's review. The first way you can glorify God in your home is to embrace your God-given roles as a helper and worker at home. Now that you know what you're called to do, how can your attitudes and actions within these roles glorify God? The second way to glorify God in your home is to exhibit God-honoring attitudes and actions. I don't know about you, but I don't always have a good attitude in my home. (laughs) I've been convicted about that a lot lately. 
Carolyn Mahaney, in her book, Feminine Appeal, paints a very realistic picture when she writes, Homemaking is a vocation often filled with mundane tasks and repetitive chores, most of which, which, are, which are performed in obscurity. It demands a colossal amount of serving and sacrifice. Sometimes between scrubbing toilets or laundering dirty clothes, we can lose sight of the significance of our calling. We look around us and perceive everyone engaged in meaningful work, everyone except us, and our vision for working at home begins to fade. Ladies, you must revive your vision of the mission God has given you. You must strive to glorify God in all you do. Our dear Martha, hi back there, she did, <laughs> once enthusiastically told me, Sarah, being a homemaker is an attitude. Have you ever thought of it that way? Let's look at the Proverbs 31 woman for a moment as an example of that kind of attitude. The mere mention of the Proverbs 31 woman can give us an inferiority complex, right? I mean, she's impressive. What makes the Proverbs 31 woman so extraordinary is the fact that she is utterly selfless and has such a good attitude about all she does. She is devoted to the priorities and duties God has given her and performs her tasks with God-honoring enthusiasm. She faithfully models service to her family and others out of her love for God. The Proverbs 31 woman enjoys caring for her home and the people in her household. It says she works with her hands in delight. You don't usually think of work and delight as going in the same sentence, do you? But they can if you ask the Lord to help you. God desires you to choose to have that kind of attitude about your work too. Lisa Hughes in her book, God's Priorities for Today's Woman, explains, a good attitude about your work, sorry, a good attitude toward your work is a demonstration of your love for God, end quote. If you truly love God, you will want to please him in your work. Lisa goes on to say, a worker at home has a good attitude about caring for her home because she has a good attitude about obeying her Lord, end quote. Convicting, right? Elizabeth Elliot explains what the Christ-centered attitude about work should look like by saying it is truly revolutionary. It is not done for show, promotion, bonuses, or compliments, but for Christ. For the Christian has a master who sees what no other overseer could spot. Not only every detail of the work done, but the intentions of the heart. The Christian workman would know that the work, no matter how demeaning it might otherwise be, However routine, however humble, really does matter. It will be noticed, end quote. We should strive to be women who strive to do everything, even the mundane, for Christ. And our attitude should reflect that. We can choose to have God-honoring attitudes within the roles he's given us. Our homemaking should become our passion because our Heavenly Father has given us a calling and he is worthy of an attitude that glorifies him. Ladies, we should see our homemaking as a passion, not a prison. One way your home can become a prison is by having a toxic attitude, an attitude of perfectionism. Perfectionism is a refusal to accept anything short of perfection. The perfectionist may insist on pristine surroundings or on a particular way of doing things. In an effort to have things her way, she puts the things of this world ahead of the things of the Lord. She loses the fact that her earthly home should point every soul 
inside and out, to her heavenly home. The truth is that perfect homes should never be our goal. People are always more important than our houses. Perfectionists make others and themselves miserable because they idolize things like their personal standards and preferences, and they put them ahead of people. Our hearts should be on glorifying the Lord and working hard for him. He should be the focus of our schedule and tasks, not our houses. You must put off perfectionism and choose God-honoring attitudes. Another part of having a good attitude is having a God-focused heart for your home. Some women work at home, but have hearts that are far from it. Others may work outside the home, but have hearts that are with their family and home. So the question is, is your heart committed to Jesus first and then your home, your family and home? That, my friends, is the goal. A heart for the home. A heart that reflects God himself. God is a homemaker too. Do you know that he is building a home for you? Jesus, his beloved son, is making a home for you right now. John 14, 2-3 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. If Jesus is preparing a home for you, you should embrace making an earthly home that reflects his character and puts his gospel on display. I am inspired by the desire of one author's heart when she wrote this prayer. Lord, Help me to build the kind of home where all those who enter it find it impossible to keep from thinking of you. May this be the desire of each of our hearts. I want to be real and acknowledge that this might not be easy. It should be our goal, but if you're honest with yourself, you most likely don't always love your home. There may be people sitting in this room right now who aren't feeling any love for their homes. So what do you do if you... If you want to embrace your God-given roles and love your home. First, you should strive to obey the scripture and pray for God to change your heart and give you a love for your home. As you walk in obedience and pray for a heart change, God will work. He honors sincere prayer to become a biblical woman. Pray as you work in your home. Prayer can turn the physical act of dusting, washing, and cooking into worship. Your prayers help you have an all-for-the-glory-of-God kind of attitude. When you are tempted to grumble, thank the Lord for the vacuum cleaner or running water. Another practical thing you can do is to be home more often if it's possible. If you're home, there is a better chance your heart will begin to be there as well. You can devote a short amount of time each day to bettering your home. Tackle a project or maybe a pile You may avoid being home if it's a scene of clutter, chaos, and confusion. Try spending time with other homemakers. You can let their love and enthusiasm rub off on you. How about thinking of working at home as an art to be mastered instead of something to to dread? You can choose to think of it differently. Find something you want to learn and become passionate about it. Try spending five minutes a day learning something new about homemaking. If you care about it, you'll want to do it. So those are attitudes you should exhibit if you want to glorify God in your home. You should choose God-honoring attitudes and have a heart for your home. What about the actions you should strive to live out? The first action that glorifies God is to work hard. The character of any godly woman is that of a hard worker. 
If God has called you to work in your home, he has called you to work hard there. Again, let's look to the Proverbs 31 woman. This lady is an incredibly hard worker. She is not lazy or self-indulgent. She, she's willing to work hard for the sake of everyone around her. She lives out Colossians 3.23 by working heartily for the Lord in whatever she does. When you imitate the Proverbs 31 woman, your actions become a testimony of who God is. When he calls you to be a worker at home, everything within the home becomes spiritual work that can be done to glorify him. The next action is to be diligent. The Proverbs 31 woman shows diligence and purpose in caring for her home. God desires his daughters to be diligent in all they do, to be productive, and to contribute to the family's well-being. Diligence is careful and persistent work or effort. It is faithfully striving to do the work that needs to be done and doing it efficiently. The third action we're going to look at is avoiding idleness. If you are both hardworking and diligent, you will not be idle. What is idleness? The definition is to not be working or active. Lisa Hughes says to think of it as habitually avoiding one's responsibilities or filling one's times with things of no worth or significance. Idleness is not the opposite of busyness. Idle people are often extremely busy. They can be everywhere, but not doing anything productive. One of the reasons scripture commands women to work at home is that it's possible to be physically at home, but not working at all. God wants you busy doing his work. You should not be ignoring your family and home. And yes, you can neglect the people right in front of you while you're in the comfort of your home. This might look like lying around, indulging the flesh, or spending hours on social media or binging TV. We have so much more free time than the women who came before us, and that can lead us to be idle. We have washing machines and refrigerators and grocery stores, and we're not using scrub boards or storing up food for the winter. You will give an account to God for what you do with your extra time. It is so easy to be idle, distracted, and self-indulgent. You have to fight to keep yourself on task and busy. A common trap for idle women is staying up late at self-indulging and not being able to get up and get work done. We live in a culture that wants you to believe you deserve to pamper and indulge yourself. You work hard. You deserve to binge Netflix until 3 a.m. The truth is you are not of this world. You are Christ's, and he's given you a mission. You are to be a hard worker. You should rest, yes, but if you're not using your time wisely and are unable to be efficient within your home, then you need to confess and repent and discipline yourself to work as effectively as possible for God's glory. Are you busy with things that waste time or compete with getting your work done at home? Talking about idleness can be a real gut punch. I know there's, are there are ways I need to work on this. I think every one of us could say we don't always use our time for God's glory. We should search our hearts and seek to be hardworking, diligent women. We have looked at two of the three ways to glorify God in our homes. First, we must embrace our God-given roles. Second, we must exhibit God-honoring attitudes and actions. And now we're going to look at the final way you can glorify God. You must equip yourself with skills that can be passed on to others. The godly woman equips herself with skills by learning about homemaking and putting them into practice. 
In order to be an effective homemaker, it is necessary to develop a wide variety of skills. Everything you need to know, you have to learn. You should not expect to be an expert at first, but be continually working to master your craft, learning, training, and working hard to get better at it. Homemaking is a compilation of many jobs in one. You, for example, you might be a private chef, a childcare worker, a housekeeper, a personal shopper, an interior designer, a gardener, a bookkeeper, a teacher, a finance manager, a laundress, a nutritionist, the biblical counselor, a pet caregiver, a chauffeur, and that's just the beginning. It is a lifetime of skill development. You gain these skills over time, but you get better at them by doing them over and over. You need to remember that homemaking is a practice. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And as you get better at it, the more you're able to share your skills with others. Just a note, if you feel ill-equipped right now or like you don't know what you're doing, that's okay. So does everyone when they first start managing a home. I will tell you, I learned a lot about what I know about homemaking from YouTube and mommy blogs, and I'm not even joking. Uh, Quick warning, some women try to blame older women for what they don't know. Older women cannot be blamed for not teaching you. Not every woman is in a church where older women are available. You have a responsibility to learn, so you might have to get creative with how you'll do that. This does not give our older, wiser sisters off the hook, though. Older women are called in scripture to equip themselves with skills and then pass them on to others. It is a great blessing to find an older woman willing to walk alongside you. So don't be afraid to ask someone. Just know that they are not responsible for your godliness. You are. The instruction in Titus 2 lays out what older women are to teach younger women. Older women have years of experience and practical tips. They've gained a multitude of skills. They can come alongside younger women and help them reflect Christ in their homes. Paul wanted the older women to transfer life skills and wisdom. One author says that Titus 2 modeling has more to do with demonstrating the shape of godliness than with textbooks and lesson plans. It's living biblically before other women with an open heart and home, willing to show other women how to live out biblical womanhood. It's a sad truth that many older women these days are returning to work or focusing on other things once their children are grown. But the body of Christ still needs them. We need their discipleship and hands-on training. The discipleship of younger women is critical to the health of the church. The Titus II winning combo is women who patiently and lovingly model, teach, and encourage paired with women who desire to please their Lord and grow and submit to, to his call by being, being eager learners. Both are women who desire to please the Lord with excellence, love, and passion. Some of y'all might need this wake-up call. Titus 2 mentoring starts with our daughters. You might think you're one of the young women, but if you have a daughter who is capable of learning, you have yourself a Titus 2 mentee. You must grab every opportunity to prepare your daughter for their God-given mission. As one author writes, we must shape our daughter's convictions to reflect the biblical priority of the home. Your goal should be to orient your daughter's heart homeward. Some women feel like they need to invest a lot of time in other women, and there's nothing wrong with that if it's in a season where you have time. But I will tell you truthfully, if you faithfully disciple your own daughter— You have done what God has called you to do. It's not about numbers. It's about the faithful training of younger women. 
to the daughters out there. Embrace your mother's training. Appoint yourself as her homemaking assistant. Look for ways to take on more responsibility. Learn to work with God-honoring attitudes now. It'll be way easier. (laughs) In doing so, you'll not only be trained for the future, but you will also honor God by embracing where he desires your heart to ultimately be. Lord willing, you too will be passing your skills on to your daughter and other women one day. Tonight, we've discussed three ways to glorify God in your home. First, you must embrace your God-given roles. Then you must exhibit God-honoring attitudes and actions. And finally, you must equip yourself with skills that can be passed on to others. Putting the scripture we looked at together, it is clear that your life's work is to be focused around your home. God, in his wisdom and according to his design, has given women the unique responsibility of managing their homes, no matter the season or the other roles they might have. Since this priority has come from the loving hand of your father, you should embrace it with Christ-honoring attitudes that glorify him. You need to work to change your thinking and see your work as he does. It should be your magnum opus or your life's crowning work. Again, this doesn't mean you don't do a wide variety of things outside your home. Uh, But Jesus, your family, and your home should always be the priorities of your heart. You should be a woman with a heart set to obey and serve God for his glory. The culture will try to tell you that home is not a place worthy of your best work. But God thinks quite the opposite is true. Carolyn Mahaney in Feminine Appeal says, In God's economy, homemaking is a high and noble calling. Our ultimate mission is to stand out for the gospel. End quote. Let's glorify God in our homes by embracing our God-given roles, exhibiting God-honoring attitudes and actions, and equipping ourselves with skills that we can pass on to others so that we can be a beacon of light in a dark and dying world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for this time. And Lord, I just pray that we would all be women who um, love you with our whole hearts, Lord, that we would be women who seek to obey your word, that we would be women with a vision for our homes, Lord, that we would be home, build homes that reflect you and that point every soul to Christ. In your son's precious name, amen.